And we are back. Episode 17, Devils on the Rush. The Fisherman here with Alejandro. Alex, how you doing? How was the week? What'd you see? I'm doing pretty well here on this fine Monday morning. Um, what I saw from the Devils was them not really playing particularly well last week, but still finding a way to come away with points and wins. So you take that as you get it because... That's what matters at the end of the day, but uh, a little bit concerned about their play in this little stretch, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think we'll get into it later in stat attack, but uh, definitely weren't dominating the pace of play in a lot of these games, um, especially towards the end of the road trip. Uh, You know, lucky to get points, I'd say, in all three games in in the Sharks, uh, Kraken, and Pittsburgh game, but did get points in all of the games, which is encouraging. And in their last 10, the Devils are 7-1-2, and two, and it looks like they're back on track. Yeah, they after a rough December, it's kind of funny. They, they were definitely playing better hockey in December, but they just got goalied. And now they're probably playing their worst hockey of the season, and they're winning and getting points. Shows what a weird sport this is. But yeah, I mean, like I said, you take the wins as you get them. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and and I think the one important thing to touch on too, it was a lot of clutch hockey, right? Uh, it was yeah. almost very uh, Bruins esque. And, and what I say, what I mean by that, when I say it is, is that when we played the Bruins earlier this year, I'd say we dominated the pace of play, um, at least in one of the games. But they came up with super clutch goals late late in periods that, um, you know, that we couldn't overcome. So starting to see a lot of that from the Devils, especially uh, in the last three games where it went to overtime in each three games. Uh, and, and you had clutch goals down the stretch in two of them with the goalie pulled. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right in the Kraken game. And then obviously the Sharks. Um, and that was huge getting those points in those West trip, uh, West Coast trip too, because now it gives them a little cushion. Um, you know, in the Metropolitan standings, you know, as we record this, there's seven points up on the Rangers who played t- uh, for second place, who played tonight against a pretty hot Florida Panthers team. So uh, and you got the all star break coming up. So it's good that they bagged some more points uh, when not playing their best hockey, because now it puts them in a really good position heading into the all star break. And and I don't know if you mentioned it, but 13 points above the last wild card spot as well. Yeah. So uh, a decent, decent lead. Um to hopefully solidify a playoff uh, appearance this year. Yeah, and those teams who are kind of fighting for the wild card spot right now are just kind of eating each other alive uh, right now between like the Caps, the Islanders, the Penguins. They're all kind of like three point games and stuff like that here. So they're not really gaining that much ground on the, the the Hurricanes and the Devils at this point. And even the Rangers, they're kind of having a tough time catching up to them. Although if the Rangers go on a little slump of their own, they could be in some trouble. But right now, uh, yeah, those teams are just kind of eating each other alive. Even the teams in the Atlantic Division, like the Red Wings um, and the Sabers, who are sort of, and the Panthers, who are sort of fighting for that last wild card spot, you know, having trouble gaining ground. So the Devils are in a really good spot at this point. Yeah, and I, and I think when I checked, they also have three games on the Capitals too. I yeah, think we played forty six, and the Capitals are forty nine. Yep, I think that's correct. So yeah, I mean, listen, all all signs are pointing towards a playoff uh, appearance, but I want to put the cart before the horse here. We still have quite a few games to go and and an important three this week as well against some some tough competition. But uh, before we get into all that, let's let's rewind a little bit and let's go to that Sharks game. Matinee, Martin Luther King Day, I had off of work um, 
and it, it was a, it was a nice game. Uh, they started off hot with an early goal, and then it was pretty much downhill there until the third period. Yeah, that game just. You know, the Sharks, to their credit, are not actually that bad a five-on-five team, even though their record would suggest they're probably pretty terrible. But, uh, like, going into that game, I think they were, like, top 10 or 15 in the league in uh, expected goals percentage. So, like, they're not terrible, but it's still a game that you thought the Devils would have performed better in. And, you know, that just, like you said, that game, they got the quick goal. But after that, it was really, like, all Sharks at five-on-five. Um, I think Vanacek really kind of kept them in that game, uh, especially late when the Devils were still trying to claw back into it and at least get a tie. Uh, but yeah, that wasn't and a great Massive saves from Vanacek. Massive yeah, that, saves. Yeah, 100%. And it just, but overall, it wasn't a good performance from the team. And I can't remember if it was that game where Lindy Ruff uh, said, or the Kraken game where he said he was concerned about the team's direction. I think it was after the Kraken, but either way. I think it was definitely after the Kraken game. Yeah, he was concerned about the team's, the direction the team was heading in, and I think the Sharks game was a bit of a sign of that. Um, so, but they got, you know, they ended up getting one point, and then a second because of Jack's, uh, you know, goal with about eight seconds left, eight, nine seconds left, and then they salted it away in the shootout, and you know, good teams. We won a shootout. I mean, yeah, <laughs> we, we don't like the shootout too much. It felt like a long time coming for the shootout. I just I have, was that their first shootout win of the season. I think it was right. I think it definitely was, and yeah. I, I think the last time like the Devils were consistently good at the shootout was when they had Kovalchuk. Yeah, because Kovalchuk was just ripping shots, and Parisi was pretty good at them too. They still had Eliash at the time, so they were kind of decent at them. Um, but yeah, they want to shoot out and, you know, there's two points that you probably didn't deserve at all, but you got them and good teams have to find a way to do that when they're going through rough stretches. And the Devils really kind of did that for most of that road trip. I think the only game where they really outplayed anyone was the Anaheim Ducks game. Um, and they, you know, they got two points from that, obviously, because the Ducks are just awful. Um, but yeah, they found two points, found a way to, you know, get a result they didn't deserve against the Sharks. Definitely, and and I know they only had one power play on this um, in this game, but they did score with an odd man advantage towards the end of the game, and something we can get into later uh, across the other couple games. But they seem to really be excelling when they have an extra man on the ice and and coming up with some big goals uh, to to turn the tide in a lot of these games. Yeah, they play six on five really well. If we go back to that Islanders game in December when they lost six four. Um, they were playing. You remember when that was the the fame infamous or it was the seven game. seven minute shift game? Yeah, where Jack Hughes was on the ice for like the last eight minutes of the the game or whatever it was, and they were playing six on five the whole time, and they scored one, and then they hit a couple of posts. Like they played it really well. The Islanders couldn't didn't even really have that many great opportunities to get an empty net goal. So they do. Lindy Ruff definitely has them. I guess Andrew Burnett deserves some credit too because you know he's working on the offensive side of the game. The two of them definitely got the Devils playing the right way at six and five because you know it's a good lead into the Kraken game. I guess that's how they got another point again. Yeah, exactly. Um, and 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 for all of our Encanto uh, listeners, we do talk about Bruno on this podcast. So um, let's <laughs> nice transition into the Kraken game. Uh, a lot of pretty much the same, right? And I guess yeah. you can write it off as the last game of a five-game road trip. Uh, they won all the games prior to it, especially against two really good teams in the Hurricanes and the Kings. 
Um, but this was the first time they saw the Kraken this year, right? Uh, yeah, I don't think they played them at home yet. Yeah, right? so no. I think this was the first time the Devils have seen the new and improved uh, Kraken. Definitely uh, 180 from last year for this team, and uh, a lot of a lot of people are calling it the Devils of the West. Right? They've got uh, a lot up the middle, uh, young and talented. Although Shane's not playing right now, Matty Berniers is having a career year or uh, really establishing himself in in, in the big league. Um, yeah. And then they just have incredible depth. It's not like they have one superstar or, or like a, a posture knock or something like that, but they have incredible depth. They roll their four lines incredibly well. Uh, and they really clogged up the neutral zone on the devils there. And the devils had a lot of trouble um, getting out on the break or even entering the D zone in that game. Yeah. I mean, that was another game where Ruff changed his lines after the first period too. He did it in the sharks game. He did it in the Kings game. Um, I think he did it in the hurricanes game as well. Let's just say he, I think he changed lines in pretty much every game on the road trip. Maybe not the Hurricanes game, but outside yeah, I of think, that. Uh, no, because remember, he got the Boquist McLeod Mercer trio. Oh, like, yeah, by accident. Yeah. yeah so. That was an accident. But yeah, I mean, he I, still I mean, did it. Let so. me pose this question to you, Alex. At what point, like, it just seems like the the top six lines have been doing great, right? They It doesn't really matter who you put up there. Maybe you tweak it a little bit to get you know, a certain winger going and you flip flop them from the bottom six to the top six. But this, this, this line shuffle uh, blender of the lines type thing. I mean, it, it really seems to be affecting the bottom six because they really can't get anything going. I mean, the third line is essentially a dark hole and the, and the BMW line has been very disappointing since the return of Bastion. Yeah, so I'm actually writing about this, and I should have it out uh, ahead of the game against the Golden Knights tomorrow night. But uh, yeah, I'm talking about the bottom six struggles, um, specifically for the month of January. I think that's kind of why the Devils have been getting killed at 5-on-5 this month. Um, They're just not doing anything. And, uh, you know, like you said, the top six lines have been playing well. I think even against the Kraken, they were kind of okay. You know, the... the, um, Line that's kind of been the best most for the most part during this stretch has been Palat, Heischer, and Brat. You've had some different versions of who's played with Hughes, but for the most part, it's been Hala and Tatar, and I think their results have been pretty decent for the most part. Uh, but I think the problem that with playing Hala on Hughes' line, and I don't know if Ruff recognizes this and just doesn't really care because Hala plays well with Hughes, is that the bottom six suffers without Hala in it. Um, right now, I don't think, yeah, I just don't really think they, the depth is not good enough right now, um, especially since Miles Woods having like an awful season. And uh, you know, it's going to take a little bit of time for Bastion to get up to speed since he missed, what, over two months at this point or close to two months. So, yeah, um, let me caveat that. I, I'm definitely not putting this on Bastion. Oh, yeah, no, I know. I just use it as a time time reference. Yeah, yeah. No, I know that. I think everyone realizes, you know, with the injury that Bastion had, it could even take like a couple of weeks before he really is going back what he looked like before the injury. So, yeah, the bottom six is definitely a concern. I think it was a lot of, it was definitely a concern, uh, not a concern is not the right word here. It was definitely a problem on that road trip against the Kraken, the Sharks. The Devil's depth lines have just all been kind of getting crushed um, lately. So it's definitely something they're going to have to address, whether it's shifting around some players in the lineup. Uh, you know, maybe bringing Fabian Zettelin back in or moving Hala down. 
and maybe you try to get Yegor Sharangovich going by playing him alongside Jack Hughes or something like that. But uh, yeah, the bottom six is definitely a concern. Uh, they got to do something about it. You can even maybe address that at the trade deadline with like a cheap depth option. You know, that obviously wouldn't be their big uh, addition for the trade deadline, but it's something they should consider as well because it's, uh, it's not like really January was the only month where they've struggled. They've kind of just been, since the 13-game winning streak, the bottom six just kind of really not been the same at all. So definitely something that they have to address. Yeah, and and, and I'll pose this question to you. Do, do we think Jesper Boquist is a third-line center? Um, after recent performances, I lean towards no. And it seems when the bottom six got going, it was Jesper on a wing with a Hala at center or a McLeod at center. Uh, yeah, I don't think he's a third line center, but I definitely think he's their fourth line center. I think he's a better player than McLeod. He's better defensively. Um, he's really good on the four check and he, he does, I mean, McLeod has more points, but Bocas is definitely the more skilled player of the two. The thing is, Ruff will never take McLeod out of the lineup because of you know, face-off draws. I mean, we saw that in the Penguins game. Uh, towards the end of the Penguins game yesterday that he's... McLeod's also a more physical player. Yeah, that too. too. And I I don't want to discount that uh, because I think that's important, especially with this team and some of the lack of size they have up front. Yeah, that's definitely a factor as well. And like I was, you know, like I was saying too, like at the end of the Penguins game that he had McLeod out there for a ton of defensive zone draws to kind of get the point at least. So he's never going to take him out of the lineup. But you could at least put Boquist on the wing on his line and then... I don't know, Bastion, you get it together with him, too. I think Fabian Zettelin definitely deserves another look. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they have the talent. I feel like they have the talent. They just haven't put the pieces together correctly on the bottom. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I mean, maybe an addition will help. But, I mean, at the end of the day, like, I think they have the pieces. And we've seen those pieces excel. We just haven't seen it consistently. And we haven't seen it in two months. Yeah, and we can get into this when we talk about some of the rumors that uh, Elliot Friedman was dropping this morning. But, uh, you know, I think if they add someone to the top six and moves people down, you at least you would hope it does. And that would help the bottom six as well. So maybe you just kind of have to survive until you get to that point. But, um, yeah, the bottom six uh, struggle is definitely a concern right now. I think that's a big reason why they're not playing their best hockey this month. Yeah. Anything else you wanted to add from the Kraken game? Oh, uh, actually, I do. Uh, let me just talk out loud here a little bit. Mackenzie Blackwood. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, he was Mackenzie good. He was really good. Blackwood, and, did yeah. he show up in that game? Yeah. Uh, that game could have been. They could have They could have put up eight on us. Easy. Yeah. The Kraken's offense. Otto could have had a hat trick. Eberle had could have had two. Um, they, yeah, they did not skate, but thank God Blackwood was there. Yeah, Blackwood was fantastic until the final goal You know, in overtime. That was, I'm sure he would tell you he would want that one back. It went right through his five hole. Yeah, it was a little deflating after like such a godly performance to let yeah. that one trickle in between the legs. Yeah, I think that's kind of always been the knock on Blackwood is like he can, you know, it's the consistency thing. Like he can put up a great performance like that, but there's still going to be, he could, there's always a potential for like a clunker of a goal to go in, but. They don't get the point without him in that game, too. So, like, I think it kind of outweighs that bad goal. Like, he helped them get a point they didn't deserve. And he was really good for the rest of that game. You know, it happens from time to time. And I think that shot from Borakovsky may have even taken a slight deflection off Bratz's stick. But it still wasn't a particularly threatening shot. Um, even Ken Danico 
was saying when it happened that, that that's probably one Blackwood would have wanted to have back because he was never really set properly. So, um, you know, it happens, but yeah, he does deserve credit for playing really well um, on at in that game. And that's kind of all they need from him at this point. It's pretty clear. Even on the road did. trip, he, he had a great road trip. Credit to yeah, him because he, he, got, he got the call on two very tough teams. Yeah, he got the, the, the better of the teams for the most part in, uh, on that road trip. He got the Kings start as well, and he was really good then. Um, and, you know, they only need, like, good spot starts from him at this point. It's pretty clear that Vanacek is their number one. I don't even think Vanacek is a 1A at this point. I think he's just a, a straight-up number one goaltender. And, I agree yeah. with you too, but some of these starts makes me question if Ruff actually sees it like that. Because if you have a true number one, you're you're trotting them out there for your tough opponents, right? Um, I mean, granted, v- VTech did play in the Hurricanes game, but definitely would have thought you know give Blackwood the Ducks and then and then Black uh, and then VTech takes Kings and and you figure it out. And there was definitely enough time for him to then suit up for the Kraken game as well. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. Um... I think the the thing I when it comes down to me is one that determines that Vanacek is a pure number one is that Ruff is giving Vanacek all the starts in the divisional games. Uh, he started. Yeah, that's all, a fair point. That's a good point. Yeah, a good point. Yeah, he started both Penguins games this month. Uh, he started the both. Did they play the Rangers twice this month? Just once, right? I think it was on the twelfth. That's it. And yeah, that was that was that was actually the game that uh, kicked off. You know, this little bit of a turnaround for the team. Yeah. So he started that Rangers game, both Penguins game. He got the Hurricanes game as well. So he's getting all the divisional matchups right now. And I, you know, I, it's not crazy to say that I think divisional matchups are usually the most important ones, especially when you're playing against the playoff contenders. Biggest point gainers. Yeah, yeah, biggest exactly. point gainers. Yeah. So I think that's what determines it for me. Also, his play. I think he after yesterday, he's probably he's around like a nine fifteen save percentage too. Um, and he's been like a top 10, 15 goalie, probably closer to top ten at this point in the league. So, yeah, I think he's clear number one, and he played really well against the Penguins game, which I think we can segue into right now as well. Definitely. I think there's there's just one tweet I'm going to address that I found very funny, and I will preface this by saying we are apolitical in every sense of the way on this podcast, but someone did tweet uh, that there's a conspiracy the- theory going around that Blackwood only starts in heavily liberal cities just to own the libs in his starts so, I, I saw that yeah he got the seattle and los angeles starts um yeah that so, makes sense so if that continues i guess he'll have vegas and uh and then uh who do we have that da- oh dallas yeah. and national yeah he ain't getting those v- yeah vtech's yeah. getting back to back this week yeah so it's funny. <laughs> uh, completely kidding. And please do not read into that any which way. Just a funny tweet we wanted to share with our listeners. But as Alex said, perfect segue into the Penguins game. The Fisherman was in attendance yesterday. Great crowd. Uh, definitely yeah, great sold crowd. out, right? Uh, sold close out or yeah. close to it. It's definitely, definitely a rock and rock on a Sunday. Um, you know, shout out to American Whiskey. I did go there before the game to catch the Arsenal Man U game. Um, what them and Reds have done with that little corridor right there has really enhanced the pregame experience for Devils fans. Um, so, so kudos, kudos to, I don't know if the organization helped out with that or, but those two bars put on a great pregame. So if you are going to a game in the coming weeks, uh, definitely start out your, uh, your, uh, your day or night, uh, at one of those two establishments. Yeah, you know, we just need to get something. We need dinosaur barbecue to come back, or something. Something's got to take up the dinosaur barbecue space if it hasn't yet. That was that was a good one too. 
That or, and you know, a taco food truck on that street would just like, it just, it, I think it would really make it if, if we could just get some tacos out on the street drinking <laughs> beers. I mean, to me, that just that would like be prime time. Yeah. I remember when the draft was at the Prudential Center, they had a bunch of like food trucks like out there and I got stuff from a taco food truck. Yeah. I think that'd probably kill it around Prudential Center before games. Yeah. I think if they had like one or two ta- um, like food trucks there, um, I think, I think that would do really well. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, hopefully something comes around. But uh, yeah, back enough with the food talk. Let's get into the Penguins game here. Yeah, let's get into the Penguins. I mean, this was a little bit of a sleeper. Um, yeah. Oh my god. I, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I felt like the second period. I needed a cup of coffee. But um, let's get into it. Jack has an early one. Uh, Sid responds six minutes later, and then from there it was pretty much Penguins dominating the pace of play. Devils had a few bright spots here and there. Um, and VTech came up huge again, right? I think it's been a constant yeah. theme on this podcast. Uh, VTech had some really spectacular saves, great positioning. Uh, and then he had the one scramble that's obviously the highlight reel, which from my vantage point, I thought that was in the net. Like, yeah. I, like I, I, I thought I was it was shocked. in too on TV. Yeah, I kept staring at the Penguins bench to see if they like had a reaction. Like, oh, I guess we'll just have to whistle this one dead. And that was in, but... Uh, kudos to the ref and even more kudos to VTech for keeping that out. Yeah. I mean, he, at first I thought, uh, I think it was paling. I thought he just kind of hit the crossbar, but then they showed the replay coming out of like a commercial break and, uh, you saw like Vanacek got his bl- blocker, I think on him when he was like kind of sprawled out on the ice and that caused it to go off the, uh, the crossbar. So yeah, I mean, it's just like a last ditch effort. You know, I'm giving it all my all to just try to make a save there, and he did it. So, um, but yeah, that game was a bit of a weird one. I thought the Devils actually played a pretty decent first period. Um, it was relatively even, which like a slight tilt towards the Devils in the first period, and then I thought they got absolutely murdered in the second. And then in the third period, they got it going again. I thought it was um, closer to even than it was in the second period, for sure. It was probably closer to the first period than it really was compared to the to the first let me see i'll just pull this up on natural stat check i don't want to see yeah no i i agree i think towards the back half of the third period they woke up yeah they still had to kill the penalty um and then the penguins were still getting a couple shots and opportunities but then i think towards the back half they really turned it on and and i think closed that one out um to get the point and you know a couple important game notes here another multi-point game from jack hughes uh, another multi-point game from Dougie Hamilton and the our fearless leader uh, tallied another point, and I think that's five points in six games, or For five me, out of the five out of the past six games. Nico Heischer has recorded at least one point. Yeah, he's been on fire recently, and it was again yesterday. Their big guns showing up. You know, Heischer, Hamilton, Hughes getting the job done on the scoreboard, and then you have Vanacek. Uh, putting on one of his best performances of the season. Uh, like, you can maybe argue... I thought he should have probably stopped the Crosby shot, but, like, who cares? Because what he did the rest of the game was fantastic. So, like, whatever that happened, he didn't let one in the rest of the game. So, who cares? Um, but, yeah. Yeah, I, think the, he, I just think he didn't see it. I honestly think he, he was screened and just didn't see it. He didn't get set either. They showed it on the replay. So, like, it was kind of... There was a bunch of stuff going against him at that point too but like i said who cares he was so good the rest of the game that it doesn't really matter um because they needed that they're not getting a point without him and they definitely don't get 
Well, they, they don't get a second point without him too, but they also don't get the second point with the Penguins kind of like getting a little jumpy in overtime and getting the too many men penalty. So, uh-huh. yeah, I, I was I was walking out with a couple of Penns fans. Not that I went to the game with them. I just heard them over talking and they felt like they definitely deserved that win. And obviously were complaining about the, the too many men on the ice and and obviously uh-huh. thought they should have scored. I think it was rust that vtech stopped on that correct i thought it was i think it was marcus patterson actually um, oh, okay sorry marcus patterson <laughs> yeah he came off the bench too he was the one who got the too many men really because he came off the bench too quickly they showed the replay of it it wasn't even close the whoever the penguin skater was who was coming off the ice was like 15 20 feet away from the bench uh, oh yeah because I, I was watching that too and alex you know from my seats we're directly across from the bench and i was like yeah that's that he came on way too quick there yeah, Mike Sullivan even said in his post-game press yeah. conference, he was like, it was too many men. It was the right call. He wasn't even complaining about it. So, And, and Mike's, um, Mike's not one to make his feelings known. Y- yeah, he's actually he's usually pretty harsh on the refs. Um, so, yeah, when he says it was the right call, then, you know. And Dougie Hamilton, I think, even said he, he was uh, defending one-on-one there, and he saw another guy come in the ice, and he's like, yeah, I knew right away. It wasn't a legal goal, so... Um, yeah, they got I'll lucky be honest in with you, Alex. I think out of all the teams in the Metro, I'd probably prefer a first round matchup with the Penguins out of any other team. Um, yeah, I probably lean towards the Penguins or the Islanders. I don't think the Islanders are going to make it, but they look bad. Um, the, the one thing that scares me about the Islanders though, is that if Sorokin gets hot. Sorokin's yeah, that's hot. a good point. Yeah. Sorokin is always an advantage that a lot of teams don't have, but even through this little stretch right now, he's not. Well, it's more the Islanders' offense that's kind of struggling right now. But he's also, you know, I mean, there's only so much he can do. Even the Capitals, I kind of look at them. I know the Devils have had trouble against the Capitals. The Capitals in the past, are the boogeyman. Yeah, they are the boogeyman. But you know, I don't. They're not what they used to be. Um, so yeah, I think obviously, I think the Devils match up against well against anyone except the Hurricanes in the Metropolitan Division. But the trade deadline, you know, there's going to be an arms race, I think, in the Metropolitan Division because there's so many good teams vying for playoff spots. So you know, that's kind of a t- to be determined kind of thing. We'll see what everyone else does at the the trade deadline and how that'll change how teams match up. But uh, yeah, I think the Penguins right now would be my preferred choice, but. The way things are going right now, we're sure it looks like we're heading towards a Rangers Devils first round. Yeah, and that will be electric. So yeah, I wasn't really that. on. Tw- yeah, I wasn't really on Twitter the last time that one uh, took place in 2012. So I can only imagine what it's going to be like if that happens. <laughs> I was still, I was still out in university with that one, um, and the part of the country that I was at university is not a big hockey centric part so i was the crazy northeasterner uh going nuts running out of my house after henrik potted that one but yeah they're like um, what is wrong with this guy yeah what no i think the question is what's hockey um (laughs) so uh and and i think this is a nice transition to a couple topics that we wanted to talk on and and you mentioned it in the beginning of the the uh show that uh, Elliot Friedman has mentioned the Devils a couple times, linked with a couple players uh, over his po- uh, past two podcasts. Yeah, a couple um, big ones. A couple big, big names. Um, and I think the last big name, and you'll laugh at me when I say this, that the Devils acquired at the trade deadline was the one and only Jonas Siegenthaler. Yeah, and at the time, that wasn't even a big name. They were like acquiring a seventh defenseman at the time and hoping he could turn into like a top four defender. 
And now he's a top two defender on the team. So uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I think that's our last big deadline acquisition. Yeah, and they weren't even buyers that year. There's just, you know, they were like... That's, oh, fit, that's Fitz playing 3D chess right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, I'm trying to even think. I guess Kovalchuk would be like the real last, like, big time player that they added at the, the trade deadline. And that was a long time ago at this point. Yeah, because uh, listen, I'm not even going to mention the the player we got from the Rangers because that was such a dud in a in a deadline acquisition. And and similarly with Pat Maroon, I mean, I know Pat's like a living legend now, but he really didn't do shit on the Devils. Pat was like a point per game player on the Devils, if I remember. Really? Right. He had like, yeah, he had like 14 points in like 17 games or something like that. I remember him being pretty pretty good actually. Right. It was Michael Grabner who yeah who didn't do well. I remember that, but they kind of missed. I'll put the next couple of plays out then. Sorry, Pat. Yeah, no, I remember Pat Maroon being really good. I think I remember Ray Sherrill wanted to re-sign him too, but he chose to go home to be around his son in St. Louis, which nobody can fault him for that, obviously. And it worked out pretty well for him because he won a Stanley Cup. So yeah, four um, Stanley Cup finals later. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah, let's get into these names Friedman talked about. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So the first name that I'm going to bring up is Bo Horvat, uh, currently on the. Canucks, they seem to be going through some turmoil right now. Uh, he's putting it a, generously. <laughs> yeah, he seems to be on an ex, not seems to be he's on an expiring contract. He's got close to thirty goals this year. I mean, I guess you can say you never can have too many centers and veteran leadership. But how do you see this one as a fit, and what do you see as the return? Uh, yeah, so I wrote about it in um, for Infernal Access earlier or later last week. Um, you know, I it's kind of tough because like I, I look at the Horvat them targeting Horvat I'm just like where's the fit here they're kind of loaded down the middle already I mean you could always load up if you put Jack Nico and Horvat down the middle I don't know how many teams would be able to compete with that come playoff time that's three really good centers that's but almost also, like early penguins right Stahl Malk and Crosby yeah, it's um, it's yeah, it's it's along those lines. I mean, you could even maybe compare it a little bit to what Tampa had with uh, has with Stamkos, Sorelli, and um, Braden Point. Um, but I also look at the way they use Eric Halla, and I wonder to myself if they look at Horvat and think, well, if we're going to use Halla, who's primarily center, he's played wing before, but has primarily been a center his career. What if we use Horvat that way on Jack's wing as like someone who will take the face offs, um, and then you kind of just shift him over to left wing and let Jack do his thing? Uh, that's the way I kind of look at it with Horvat. The thing is, like, I don't think he's ever played wing before. And now transition to center from center to wing would probably be easier because you have less defensive responsibility as a winger than you do as a center um and Horvat's actually not as great as the defender as his reputation might be he's really more of an offensive player so might not be the worst thing I think that's whether the that's just me guessing I think that's what they see uh in Horvat when they could target him you know as far as the price um Jim Rutherford's kind of been a little bit all over the place in what he said over this um what they're looking for for Horvat but his preference is um you know, they're not trying to rebuild in Vancouver, even though they should probably tear it down and rebuild. They're trying to do a quick retool. And he said his preference is, you know, players in their mid-20s who can kind of come into the NHL lineup right away and play. Uh, Devils obviously have a lot of players in their 20s that um, they could give up, but probably wouldn't. How's Miles Wood sound? 
I mean, he's on an expiring contract and he's really just like a fourth liner. So I probably doesn't sound good enough for the, the Canucks. I would think like Yegor Sharangovich would have to be, you know, the, the player that goes to Vancouver in a trade uh, for Horvat. And the thing with Horvat too, is that I don't think the devil should be signing him long-term. Um, he like makes more sense for them as a pure rental and they're going to have to give up a lot of assets for a rental that I don't really think they should do. Um, you know, uh, on, I haven't listened to all of Elliot Friedman's, uh, uh, what he said on this morning's episode of um, 32 Thoughts, but he did say that uh, while the Devils have been around the Bull Horvat thing, he's not their primary target. It's actually, T- and the more likely target is Timo Meyer, which I think makes a lot more sense for what the Devils need. So so we'll um, get to, into Timo in a second. I mean, one way or the other, I see Bo Horvat ending up in the Metro. Uh, yeah, I would put money on the Carolina Hurricanes being involved there. Especially with Pacioretty going down again. Yeah, and the thing, but the thing with the Hurricanes too is that they don't do, um, they don't do rentals. Like, it's just not their thing. So if they're going to get in Horvat, they need to find a way to make that work long term. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting. I, I could see the Rangers taking a run at Horvat too, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. I know the Rangers are definitely going to do something. I expect them to do something major. Um, as Elliot Friedman hinted about the devils on 32 thoughts as well. He said, most teams in the Eastern conference expect the devils to do something major ahead of the trade deadline. Um, I think Boston could be another team in Horvat. I'm not really sure how they can make that work cap wise, but uh, I think they'll be in it um i think he'd be a great end. fit there i think he'd be yeah. a great fit there because then you could almost push Krejci down to your third line center or horvat's your third line center yeah and you know the bruins have to go for it now because bergeron and Krejci are in their late 30s like you don't really have that many runs at this anymore um and you got the pasta I mean, uh, in all honesty extension. it might be the last run right uh with Krejci yeah, and, and bergeron and i guess horvat could almost fill in that not saying he's anywhere near the player bergeron is but i'm talking from like a cap hit yeah um yeah so it definitely makes sense for the bruins to go in but i agree i think he is going to end up in the eastern conference somewhere i would guess that's probably the canucks preference too is to kind of just send them out east that way they don't have to deal with him kind of like owning them all the time in the west so i would imagine he ends up in the east somewhere okay great well thank you alex uh, i think we can touch <laughs> on another player in your uh piece that you put out and, and guys please check out the pieces alex puts out i know he he did a great one on Infernal Axis this week on some uh, some trade prospects. So definitely go check that out and subscribe uh, to that Substack. It's it's a great read. Uh, Todd, CJ, and Alex put out some great content. Um, and and as I <clears throat> continue to pump your tires, Alex, um, <laughs> the the second player that you gave about two sentences to in that piece, uh, <laughs> Gustav Nyquist. Uh, there's been some rumors that the Devils have kicked the tires on Gustav Nyquist. And 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 I'd like to re- remind Devils fans, uh, during the summer, the Devils signed to Tar. They had also kicked the tires on Nyquist and was on a lot of Devils watch lists. What do you, what do you see there, Alex? Um, yeah, so, like, they have a lot of players like Nyquist, except I think, the players that they have are kind of better than him at this point. The defensive concerns with him are, are real. He doesn't really play much defensive minutes, so you'd have to keep him really sheltered. Um, he's a third liner. Uh, like The production is still there. He's on pace for 18 goals and 40 points, or just about 40 points. It's just like he's still producing. The issue I have with... And that's um, on a really bad Columbus team, too, which we should caveat. 
yeah, the the Blue Jackets are not good at all. There. They have zero centers. Like yeah, zero. They're, they're squarely in the Connor Bedard, Adam Fantilli sweepstakes. So um, the thing with Nyquist is like I wouldn't mind him as a depth option if his cap it weren't five point five million dollars. But you'd have to get Columbus to retain a lot on that to make it work for the Devils to fit in someone major like a Bo Horvat or a, a Timo Meyer. And I think there are going to be other options on the trade market, like a Nick Bukestad, um, who could come in and uh, kind of solidify your bottom six depth. And he has a $900,000 cap hit. So, like, you don't even need Arizona. That's really attractive. And obviously, there's also the fan favorite name of Adam Henrique. But similarly, he's got a decent-sized cap hit. Yeah, I think the Henrique thing would be more of an off-season move. I think I have to look this up on Cap Friendly real quick. Let me pull it up. But I'm pretty sure his contract expires after next season. So it could be like an Eric Halla situation where they bring Rico in, or I guess a reunion, obviously, um, with Rico for a one-year thing. And then you kind of go from there. Let me see. Come on, Cap Friendly. Let's load here. And he's at yeah, so five Henrique's, and a half. Yeah, he's at five point eight two five million dollars. Um, so yeah, he's, and his contract does expire after next season. So I think that would be more of an off season thing if the Devils are trying to look for like a middle six uh, upgrade. You you could look to Anaheim there for Adam Henrique. But um, yeah, I, I just I'm not really a big fan of the Nyquist. It doesn't hurt to kick tires. I think the fourth period reporting he's kicked the Devils are kicking tires on Nyquist just suggests to me that they're in on like almost anything uh, right now looking to upgrade uh, their team for a playoff run. So I think Fitz is just calling anyone who's got like pending UFAs that could be attractive rentals and checking in on them. And I'm sure he's not going to be the the last person we hear. Um, I know devil uh, about um, uh, what was I going to say? He's not going to be the last person we hear about that. They're looking at as a depth option too. So uh, expect more of that in the coming weeks, but I don't really see a fit for the devils. I just, it's cap wise it's going to be tough to fit and then if columbus is retaining salary it increases the value uh you have to give back to them too so um, and he's not worth it yeah he's just he's not worth it so i would look elsewhere if they're looking for bottom six upgrades which you know we kind of hinted at earlier in the episode they should probably uh, be considering it at least all right now we can get to everyone's favorite name uh the swiss legend Timo Meyer. Um, let's remind fans that Timo and Nico had quite a connection at the uh, World Championships on Team Switzerland, played on a line together. Timo is tearing up the Pacific Division, I think 27 or 28 goals. Yes, yeah, that like right that. now. Yeah. Um, he's a big power forward with a ridiculous shot. Um, sounds like the perfect fit to me, Alex. <laughs> what, what's, uh, what do you see with Timo? Yeah, um, you know, obviously the there's the whole thing with the qualifying offer that's kind of looming o- over um, you know, the Timo Meyer, I guess a Timo Meyer trade. Uh, he, for those who don't know, he has a qualifying offer of ten million dollars this offseason as a pending restricted free agent with arbitration rights. But um, yeah, as Friedman has said on um, episodes of Thirty Two Thoughts, that uh, the Sharks will let teams talk to Meyer and his agent, who happens to be Claude Lemieux. Uh, they will let teams talk to him about an extension if they find the deal they like. So I'm not really concerned about the qualifying offer stuff. You know, just from a hockey sense uh, standpoint, from a hockey standpoint, Meyer's the perfect fit for what the Devils need in their top six. Um, 
he's not really like he's only kind of a, an average to like slightly above average shooter the thing is he's on pace for like almost 400 shots on goal this season i think so he just shoots the puck like and his volume is absolutely insane um what i wrote about in my that's what i wrote about in my um trade profile piece for him with the hockey writers that his shot volume is insane he's on pace for like 379 if i remember right so you get like a high volume shooter that you could just and i think he is the better fit for jack hughes than nico he you just kind of put him on jack's line and uh you just profit let him fire that. away just, yeah just, just in the slot just profit that way so um he's the best fit uh, obviously because he's 26 years old he fits in with the team's timeline uh, I think he kind of opens up their Stanley Cup window earlier than it really should open up. Like, and maybe- he brings some grit. I mean, I, he dropped the gloves the other night, and he put a pounding on that guy. Yeah, he's um, he's got some snarl, that's for sure, and he gets to the net front a lot. Um, he will help their power play. There's really... I, I can't really even think of... A, uh, like a he's a little weak flag. defensively, but I think you can cover for that if he makes up for it offensively. Yeah, and he's not even, like, bad defensively. I would just say he's kind of, like, average. Um, yeah, it's probably his weakest point, but it's still really, it, you know, it's not bad. Yeah, that's what like, I was trying to say, too. It's like, I can't even really think of a glaring red flag in his game. So, you know, and Friedman said in, I didn't listen to this part yet, in 32 Thoughts, but he said that while the Devils have been around Horvat, they're, uh, they more likely prefer Meyer, or he's the more likely target for the Devils, So, uh, which makes sense. Uh, you know, they have the assets to pull off a trade. Uh, I'm not really sure what Arizona, uh, Arizona what uh, San Jose is looking for specifically, but um, you know, definitely cost the Devils a first in a top prospect and a minimum, and there could be another asset that has to go their way. But, uh, you know, Frank Saravalli has been using the Alex Debrinkit trade um, as a comparable, because Debrinket also had a high qualifying offer. I think his was about nine million dollars, so a little less than Timo's. Um, and what the Senators got, um, they gave up, you know, a first round pick, a second round pick in last year's draft, and then a third in like the twenty twenty four draft. So uh, I guess a Meyer trade would be sort of equivalent to that, except you know the Sharks are going to be dealing him to a team that's in a contending spot, so those picks. You know, the Senators' uh, first-round pick was, like, seventh overall. And the Sharks are not going to get that for Timo Meyer. They're going to get someone who's going to be drafting in the back half of the first round. But, you know, it gives them an extra first to deal with. So, um, but, yeah, I, the Devils have the assets to pull it off. And uh, I think Fitz is going to definitely try his hardest to pull that off and make it happen. And if not, I expect him to be involved with something else because, as Friedman hinted, the Eastern Conference teams – uh, are expecting the Devils to do something major at this trade deadline, so something's going to happen. And there's also that previous relationship with Greer there, right? Greer used to be on the Devils bench, right? Um, yeah, that's a good point. Claude Lemieux, you know, being Myers' agent, obviously, that's uh, something. And the jersey know. that I have in my closet, I know that really helps the relationship too. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and and I think I don't know if you touched on this, but Elliot also mentioned that the Sharks are willing for teams to. Yeah. Negotiate with yeah, Timo yeah. Um, as well. Unlike Bo Horvat and the Canucks, Rutherford hasn't given permission. So it sounds yeah, like. At least not yet. At so. least not yet. But it sounds like if, if the Devils come with a serious offer to Greer, Greer will allow Claude to uh, give Fitzy a call and they can sit down and, and, uh, and at a Devils game and, and hash out the details. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I think um, I'm pretty sure Tom Fitzgerald's brother is a uh, director of player personnel for the San Jose Sharks too. So there's there's obviously some, this there's multiple, this yeah, there's multiple happening. there's multiple connections here. Like uh, you know, I, um, these could be coincidences or whatever or not. But I mean, there's I mean stuff the Swiss like, connection, the Greer connection, the Lemieux connection, the Fitzgerald connection. Yeah, there's, there's a mean, lot going here to make things like say be like, well, hey, you know, the team Meyer and the Devils, it makes a lot of sense. So well, the other thing is, is and I don't want to say this but i think it's important to be said if there's a chance that jesper bratt doesn't resign this yeah. also fills a hole yeah i mean obviously you would have to replace bratt but if you have meyer in the fold you don't have to get another player of bratt's caliber you could fill it up with like a middle six winger who's good for like 50 points 20 25 goals 50 points a year or something like that because you know Meyer is going to be a point per game player, and he's going to he's going to score more goals than Brat. That's just the thing. He's like a thirty to forty goal scorer. Brat is capable of that, but I wouldn't expect him to do it. You know, every year. So, but Brat, um, but Brat brings a lot defensively and from his playmaking ability as well. I mean, there's there's maybe a handful of players that I see that are better skaters than Jesper Brat in this league. Yeah, um, it would definitely be a loss, but you know, um, we'll cross that bridge when we have to. But yeah, not saying it's happening. Not saying yeah. it's happening. Yeah, no, of course. It's just, yeah, but it is, you're right. It is something to consider too. Like you don't really know what his contract status is right now. And if you get Timo Meyer um, at the trade deadline, that makes things a little bit, uh, kind of relieves a little bit of the pressure in that situation for the time being. I think what you're saying is is that a deadline move should not be prevented by an outstanding Jesper Bratt contract. Yeah, no way. Especially since, and it might not go up this coming for this coming se- uh, season, but the, the salary cap is going to go up in the next couple of years. So, um, yeah, and for all you re- fans that hate the electronic ads on the boards, you can thank them for the cap going up. Uh, yeah, I think you can thank the TV deals mostly. I mean, those TV deals are well, the ESPN and TNT. Really I, I, yeah, no, hundred percent. I'm just talking from um, a uh, escrow standpoint. Yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, you know, the players may be getting lost in the digital ads, but um, yeah, I mean, if it's going to make the cap go up, then whatever, I'll take My it. God, if I have to see one more tweet from Alan Walsh about the digital ads, uh, does he does he go off? I don't follow him, but does uh, he go he's off such about a them? Jackass when it comes to the digital ads, like uh, yeah. If uh, anything, digital ads are helping your clients. Alan Walsh, just shut up. <laughs> yeah, seriously, then get rid of the escrow quicker. Hopefully. Yeah, so whatever. Um, and then one one last point before we get into a lot of our segments here. Um, I've seen a lot of uh, discussion on Twitter the past couple weeks about Nico's grimacing face uh, and that he needs to get tougher. Like, what are you guys talking about? He's the toughest guy on the team. I mean, like, what? just because he makes a, a grimacing face, that means he's not tough? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I saw someone else tweet that he needs to make different faces so we actually know what's going on with him. Please, can someone pass along the medical literature of facial expressions for diagnoses of injuries or what's going on with the player? This is the most absurd thing I've ever heard. Uh, yeah, that's some stupid stuff. I, I don't, I don't, I didn't see any of that on Twitter. If but, you listen um, to this pod, you know who you are. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see any of that, but um. I mean, Ruff said after the game yesterday that he Nico definitely wasn't a hundred percent, but he came back. He Ruff said he didn't think he was even going to finish the game, but he came back and he was good enough. He takes he takes a bad hit, then he goes and blocks a shot, goes yeah. down the locker room, comes back, 
you know, plays against a division rival, gets the second game winning assist, like bug off. Yeah, Just bug I, off. I think, yeah, questioning his toughness is, I think it's pretty stupid. I think he was the toughest player on the ice against the Penguins. Oh, Patrice Bergeron and Sidney Crosby don't make sour faces. Well, come on. This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's definitely it's overblown. I don't really get it either. Like, why are you questioning his toughness, especially when he battled through a couple of things yesterday and helped the team win the game? So, I think that's definitely uh, you got you got to zip it on that kind of stuff. I, I just remember games this season where it was just like, as we call it, captain shit, right? Like, this, yeah, that that the San Jose goal. I mean, or no, is it the, yeah, I was the just Seattle goal? That. Yeah, Seattle goal. Yeah. yeah, I mean that dude's battling against three defensemen in in the, in the zone there, and somehow chips it over uh, Martin Jones. Like that's toughness. Yeah. He's in the dirty areas getting that goal. If that doesn't scream toughness, I don't know what does. So, end of rant. Let's move on to stat attack. Stat attack, Alex. Why don't you kick us off? Yeah. So stat attack. Um, pretty simple. Kind of even um, mentioned it a lot when we were going over last week's games, but. For this week, we are going to be looking at the Devils 515 numbers for the month of January, which I have pulled up here. So, um, oh, I have it ordered the wrong way. All right. So, yeah, we looking at Corsi percentage, which is shot attempts. Simply, the Devils have a 47% Corsi in the month of January, which ranks 25th in the NHL. And then if we look at their expected goals percentage, it is 46.45%, which ranks what numbers that 25th in the nhl as well so they have not played well this month um a big reason that they've won games is they've gotten timeless timely finishing and some really good goaltending from both mckenzie blackwood and vitek vanacek you know i think part of the reason that they've struggled at five on five is they were on the road for 10 days and the california trip west coast trip team might just be a little fatigued at this point i thought they did show some signs of improvement against the penguins but still not quite there um, you know, we got what they have three games before the all-star break, right? This week it's uh, Vegas, Nashville and uh, Dallas, not that order, I guess, but, um, you know, I think they just need to get to the all-star break and that week off is really going to help them just kind of like reset and regroup and kind of, you know, get back. Um, not, I don't know how to describe it. It uh, should help them reset and get rested, which they need badly. And then, you know, I think coming out of the all-star break, you want to see them start dominating teams at five on five again. Cause if not, then the wins are not going to come as easily as um, they have this. Well, I wouldn't even say the wins have been easy. This uh, stretch, they've been fighting through it, but um, yeah, the, the, it's just not a sustainable form of winning. Um, we see it all the time with teams who, who struggle in possession at five and five. And unless you have like an Igor Shesterkin and go in that, you know, you can't um, ride it for an entire season. So their five on five play definitely needs to improve. And I think that's part of, you know, getting the bottom six going too is if they can find their depth lines rolling again, their five on five numbers should improve, but uh, yeah, definitely a little bit of concern, like rough kind of even said after the Kraken game and he didn't like the direction the team's heading in. I don't like it either. I don't think, They've been playing particularly well the stretch, so you know hopefully they can survive this week before the All Star break, reset after the All Star break, and then get back to their dominant ways at five on five um, coming out of the break. Yeah, I completely agree. So like, <clears throat> let's have a strong week to finish up because February is actually a pretty light month from a competition standpoint. You got a f- couple big games in there, but it's not that crazy. 
But as soon as you flip the calendar to March, that yeah, is there's some tough a ones. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have the Tampa Bay Lightning three times in six days, and there's a Panthers game in between the the Lightning game, I think, as well. And the Panthers are yeah. playing pretty well right now. I don't, who knows if they'll last going <laughs> into then? Listen but, to March's. Listen to March. The teams you have to play in March, you have to play the Avalanche, the Golden Knights, the Maple Leafs the Capitals, the Hurricanes, the Lightning three times, the Panthers, the Wild, the Sabres, who you can't write off, the Islanders, and the Rangers. Now, I didn't include the Senators and Coyotes and Habs. Those are your three games that this should be right now you should definitely win. Yeah. Outside of that, that's a matchup each night, every other night. Yeah. And, you know, the, the trade deadline is March 3rd, so the team could look different by then, and it may not be as much of a concern as it is now. But, um, yeah, that's, that's I mean, either way, it's going to be a tough schedule. So, um, yeah, you got to, that's why Especially it's so important. Especially that last week, right, when you have the Sabres, Senators, Islanders, and Rangers, that's, that just has playoff race written all over it. Yeah, exactly. So, um, that's why it was so important to go 4-0-1 on this road trip, even though they didn't really play well. They still got points in um, all of well, the Even games. beyond that, I think it was important to get this last 10 games going, right? 7-1-2. Yeah, um, definitely. That, yeah, I agree. That, that's huge. And, 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 and I think a lot of us Devils fans were waiting for that sample size, right? We had the long run in the beginning, then we had the long lull in, you know, next. And then it's like, all right, let's see how this team averages out. And if we can average out to a seven, one and two or a, a six, one and three, like that's, that's good hockey that will continue um, where they are in the standings um, and, and hopefully a, a strong finish to the season. Yeah. They don't even, I think they just need to go like barely on their 500 for the rest of the season to like crack a hundred points. So that also helps a little bit. And the cutoff right now looks like don't it's worry, March be, will help with that. Yeah, exactly. And the, the cutoff right now even looks like it's going to be like 94 to 95 points to make um, the Eastern conference playoffs. And the devils I mean, are like, like so deep. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And the, the devils are pacing for like 109 points right now. So like no concern about the playoffs. I mean, if you look at money pucks playoff projections, I think they're at like 99.5% as of today. So like no concern at this point, but um, they definitely do need to start playing better. And I hope to see it after the all-star break, even showing some signs of it in this last, these last three games before the break would be kind of helpful, but uh, especially since the teams that are playing are, you know, they're pretty decent. So, um, but yeah, they definitely got to improve. Yeah. All right. Let's move into devil's dungeon, Alex. What do you got for us for Devil's Dungeon? Yeah, so I'm putting the whole Devil's b- bottom six in the dungeon right now because um, I know Ruff is kind of mixed up who's been in the Devil's Dungeon, but um, it needs to be better. Uh, the, just the depth is the Devils have been kind of getting killed depth wise. You know, players who are consistently in the, the bottom six. You know, whether it's I think Mercer's probably been their best bottom six player, but even then he's had he's been kind of up and down. You, you I mean, need he's more. only good when he's in the top six. He's not he he's not at a point in his career yet where he can generate offense by himself. Yeah, I agree with you on that, and I think you can say the same about Sharon Govich. Um, you know, they need more from those two guys. They need a little more consistency from. Uh, Jesper Boquist, I think you need to get Fabian Zetterlin back in there. You know, I'm obviously giving Bastion a pass because he's only played two games and he's coming back from a significant injury, but I think he's going to be fine in the long run. You know, Miles Wood's a big problem. Uh, just having a really bad season, I would even say he's probably been the Devils' worst player this season. Um, they need more out of him. It's pretty simple. He's got one goal in his last 31 games. That's not good enough. Uh, 
honestly, I would have scratched them at this point, but uh, I don't think Ruff has any plans on doing that anytime soon. Um, I, I don't know about that because there were some points where he's he's sat Wood down for certain periods. He did um, sit him in the Kraken game. I think that BMW line basically sat the whole third period, so um, that's possible, but to me right now, I don't think Ruff would take him out of the lineup even though he's really been brutal this season it's just he's got a, they need much better from him he's, he's so bad in the neutral zone like, yeah yesterday he made some really just some passes he was making in the neutral zone and crosby i was this one i remember crosby picked off and he just made a really soft play and it was odd man rush going the other way but uh i think it was ryan graves had it covered and then vanacek made the save um but yeah he's really he's really struggling it's just not good enough yeah um, uh, yeah, well, that, that uh, I completely agree there. Um, from a Devil's Dungeon perspective, this might be a little too early to put him in there, but I need more points out of Andre Palat. Um, I know their line collectively has been doing great, but I need, I need him to start scoring consistently. Uh, I'm not saying point per game, but I need some goals. He's been back for what five six games now yeah he's been um, back for about two weeks i think yeah two weeks so it, it, we're starting to get to that point where i need a goal right i need a goal i need some multi-point games um i think he's had maybe one multi-point game but it's just been you know an assist here and assist there um and i think if we're being fair about contracts and players performance Right now, I'm not seeing $6 million worth of a performance a night in and night out for Palat. Um, and I feel like we've given him that leg room to get going off his injury. Maybe he needs a couple more weeks. Um, but for right now, I, I just need to have more out of him. Yeah, that's fair. I think maybe it might be a little harsh since he's coming off groin surgery, but they, they're definitely going to need more from him moving forward. Yeah, maybe it's a preemptive. Maybe this is almost like a probationary Devil's Dungeon. Like maybe like you're in the waiting room. Um, so maybe we'll call this Devil's Purgatory. Um, <laughs> but that's where I'm at right now. Because like, listen, I don't, I, it's so easy to throw the fourth line in there, and I and I, I completely agree with you, right? Like I just I, I feel like Palat needs to be talked about a little bit. Yeah, so but I, I'm not concerned about him. I think he'll get it going at some point. No, like listen, he's been great on the four check, and he's you can really see he's helped that line, and they've done well. I'm just talking from purely point production standpoint. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, okay, let's move into the three stars of the week. And Alex, are we going to move off the Jack Hughes number one star this week? Uh, uh, he's definitely going to be in my three stars, but I yeah. think I have a new number one star. I think I have a new number one as well. So why don't you kick okay. us off? Here? Okay, so why don't you start off with your third star? Right, of the week? I'll start off. Um, so third star of the week for me. Uh, man, I was going back and forth between Nico and Dougie, but uh, I'm gonna go with Nico. Um, as third star, I think he's just um. You know, we were talking about it before. He's he's done some captain shit recently, um, fighting through it. And the Penguins game had the secondary. Did he have the secondary assist on Dougie's game winner? Yeah, because Jack was back on the point and then yeah. Jack laid it off. He had the secondary assist on Dougie's game winner against the Penguins. He had the game-tying goal against the Kraken to help them get a point. I thought he played actually really well in the, the, the Sharks game. The only line that was really... Playing well that game was the Heischer Brat Palat line, so he had a good game there. So I'm gonna go with him as my third star. Yeah, no, I, I think that's completely fair. Um, 
it, it, you know my love for Nico, so it pains me not to have him in the three stars this week. Um, I don't know. Am I calling an audible? I, I'm going to leave him out this week. My third star of the week is going to be Dougie Hamilton. Um, yeah, that's you know, where I was going to. So. Yeah, I think I mean, obviously his points speak for themselves. He's having an all-star caliber year. Um, talk about earning a contract. He's definitely earning it. I think um, – and shout out to Devils Insider because they mentioned this as well. If we can get, you know, maybe five or six more like Dougie takes over games, like we generally win those games. Like yeah, when, they Doug, do. when when Dougie takes over, it it he takes over. Like it he has a crazy impact. Like some of those games where he has like nine, ten shots and you just see him everywhere on the ice. And I think that's gonna improve. And and again, shout out to Devils Insider when um John Marino comes back. I think Doug Dougie will be in less defensive yeah, situation. Sure. Um, so I think that's only going to continue. So like, you know, if you, you have Dougie takeover games you, and you still have the point production that you're getting from the top six, that, that that's five or six wins easy. Yeah. They, de- like you said, they, they do generally win those games where he, they have like a 35 to like 10 shot attempt advantage with him on the ice. And I think that's part of the reason why him and Jonas have been a little up and down through this stretch is the rough has had to give them the harder defensive minutes because there's no Marino Graves pairing to do that. Although I feel like you could have given those minutes to Graves and Severson, but I digress. And I still think they are, but at a certain standpoint, you know, I, we also did see like the shuffling of the defensive lines, right? Yeah. He's been um, mixing I, up the pairs a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and I, I know Dougie had a little bit of a slump, but Jonas did have a slump. There was some games where it was noticeable for both of them, but you know, I remember Jonas getting sit down a couple times. So, um, you know, I think Marino's pretty close to being back. He's in the non-contact Jersey. So I don't know if they bring him back before the all-star break. That might be a tough decision, but we'll see. Yeah. So yeah, it'll definitely help. So we'll see. all right, Alex, who do you got for your second star? So Jack is my second star. I'm not leaving him off the three stars. Yeah. The before week. I even get to mine. Yeah. I agree with you. He's my second. Yeah. I mean, obviously the game tying goal against the sharks. He had that pretty goal against the penguins for his 30th goal of the season. Still had four points on the week and three games over a point per game pace. I mean, he had 15 shots on goal, five shots on goal a game. Uh, Fastest devil to 30 goals in 30-plus years. Yeah, I mean, he's the first 30-goal scorer the team's had since Taylor Hall's Hart Trophy season, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I think they said that on the broadcast no, yesterday. That, no, no, you're correct. Yeah, so um, still shot and chance-generating machine. Even in that Sharks game where he didn't really do anything for like the first 50 minutes, he took over like the final half of the third period. It was just He ended up finishing that game, I think, with seven shots on goal. Uh, like He was still a jack. Um, uh, so like... You know, Almost like a similar be- performance in the Pittsburgh game too, right? Because he scored the early one, and then I don't think he had a shot on goal until the third period. Yeah, something like that. And then he, you know, he got the primary assist on the Dougie Hamilton's. Uh, he's playing know. clutch hockey. Like yeah. that's what you expect out of your stars. Like he's just he comes up in the big moments, even if he hasn't done anything all game, and that's what you want out of your stars. Yeah, exactly. So you know, pretty clear cut case for him for you know second star of the week. Okay, well, since we agree on the second star of the week, I'm going to go ahead with my first star of the week, if that's all right. Yeah, go ahead. I think we might agree on this, too. So let's see. The goaltending tandem. Yeah, I was going with the tandem as well. I was going to go with Vanacek and Blackwood. Yeah, uh, I think we got into a lot of their stats earlier, but yeah, we don't come away successful on this West Coast swing without them. Um, outside of the Ducks game, 
and I'm not saying VTech played bad in the Ducks game. I'm just saying outside of the Ducks game, um, we had to rely on goaltending in each game to win. Yep, yep, yep. Um, yep. And 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 in a big way, right? These these games would have been five, six, one the other way last year or the year before. Um, so credit when credit's due. VTech and McKenzie have really come out strong, and you know you you feel somewhat comfortable going into into the stretch with with this duo yeah um yeah i mean blackwood has actually been pretty good since coming back from uh the injury was a little bit before christmas i believe right um i think his i gotta check after his start against the kraken but i think his save percentage is definitely above um league average since then going into that game he had a nine ten save percentage which you would definitely take from him um you know they haven't gotten that kind of goaltending from him since really since before the pandemic um so I see him pull it up on hockey reference, see what he's looking at right now since coming back from his injury. All right, so he came back on the 20th. So yeah, since then he has a 908 save percentage. So perfect. That's what you need from him. And uh yeah, I mean he was really good in the 908 save game. percentage, but also like five or six like unreal saves. Yeah, and he's used some of that athleticism. It was like that against the Kings, too. He's been using some of that that athleticism to make some of these saves um so yeah i uh, completely agree with you on the the, the first stars it's got to go to both fanacek and blackwood for helping the devils get five out of six points this week yeah definitely um all right so that ends our three segments let's look at the week ahead and we've we've touched on this pretty much um Alex, what are you expecting out of the week ahead from a points perspective? We have three games. We have the Knights at home on Tuesday, and then we are on the road back-to-back starting in Nashville and then ending up uh, with Dallas as we head into the All-Star break. Yeah, so uh, all Western Conference teams, and if I've have the Devils lost to a Western Conference team yet this season? Just the Kraken, I think, right? Hmm... Yeah, I know they were dominating the Pacific Division. I think the Kraken was the the first loss that they had against the Pacific. Well, Division. I guess you would. We lost to the Stars and we lost to Nashville. Oh right, yeah, that's true. So, but uh, yeah, so that Nashville think, game hurt. Yeah, that was an overtime. Game. So they yeah. they got one regulation loss against the Stars, and then Nashville and Kraken games were overtime losses against. Um, so you can at least get a point out of that. I'm expecting three out of six points this week. Uh, I think the Vegas game is actually pretty winnable. They're Mark Stone sounds like he's got a pretty serious back injury. Um, it's so I hope he's okay because he's one of my favorite players in the league. They've uh, lost Vegas, four or five too, and that includes Kara, the Coyotes, and another bottom dweller too. Yeah, they're five and five in their last ten games, but they're a little bit like the Devils' um, great road team. They are fifteen four and two away from Vegas, and only fourteen and thirteen at home. And obviously, that's a home game for the Devils tomorrow night. So, and the Devils, you know, the wins have not been coming easy for them at the Prudential Center. So, we'll see how that goes. But um, I actually do think that Vegas game is pretty winnable, and uh, you know. Dallas, they're a good team. Um, Devils, I actually thought, played them pretty well the first time around. They just got goalied by Scott Wedgwood, but um, we'll see how that goes. The phrase I never want to hear again. Yeah, right. Who who would have thought in 2023 that you'd be getting uh, goalied by Scott Wedgwood? I guess that was 2022 20, at the time still. But um, yeah, and then we'll see on Nashville. The Devils um, have had trouble against John Hines and the Predators. Um you know, the Preds play kind of a physical game, and they're pretty good at home. They're 12-7-3. Um, 
So it'll be interesting to see how they do. As you know, I mean, the Devils are going to have to lose a game here in regulation again at some point. So I'm expecting at least one regulation loss this week. Yeah, I think four out of six points is reasonable going into the All Star. Yeah, game. I'd even even be all right with three out of six points. Really, this week for me is just about surviving it and getting to the All Star break without any more significant injuries um, and getting rested up for like the real and staying second in the Metro. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, I, they got a seven point lead on second in the Metro, so I think they should be fine unless like someone goes on a heater below them and they lose all three games this week. Uh, you know, Panthers beating the Rangers tonight would obviously help that. The Panthers are hot right now, so it should be an interesting game. Um, yeah, I think if the Devils get three out of six points this week and just you know kind of keep it even heading into the All Star break, get rested up, and then go for it, you know, for the rest of the season. That's what I'm looking for this week is just kind of survive and get out healthy into the All-Star break. That way everyone else can get rested up. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, I I really don't have much to add. I think we covered everything in this episode. You got a little bit of the past week, the week ahead, a couple months ahead, trade deadline talk. I, I think <laughs> yeah. we covered it all. Yeah, we'll definitely be getting into more trade deadline talk as things get going here too, so... Yeah, and as a recording note, we'll we'll definitely record next weekend. We might take a week off with the All Star break. Yeah, um, we'll see. But, yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, obviously, we can do some emergency pods if there's any movement during the All Star break. Uh, we're we're here for all news Devils, but um, yeah, from a recording note standpoint, I think we'll do next week and then take the week off and then and then be back after the uh, the week with the Canucks, Kraken, and Wild. Yeah, that should be an interesting week. So, with the Canucks. Yeah, they they I, to my point earlier, they really need to produce in February because March is just going to be a gauntlet. Yeah, bag just bag whatever points you can get in February. You know, pad that cushion at this point. Exactly, exactly. Um, all right, Alex. Anything else you would like to to add? No, I'm good to go here. Uh, you want to highlight any of the pieces coming out this week? Uh, yeah, so like I said earlier, I'm doing a bottom six uh, depth piece on the team struggle there. I'm going to have something for Infernal Access at some point in the week, too. And I haven't decided what uh, since Todd's on vacation right now in, uh, I think, Mexico. I'm covering for him a little bit, and CJ might have something there, too. Then I will also have another trade profile similar to the one uh, I did for Timo Meyer over the weekend. I haven't decided who that's going to be on either, but uh, I've got a long list here of players I've been keeping my eye on so it should be someone pretty uh i think would make a lot of sense for the devils but we'll see on that still yeah and shout out to cj it looks like you got stuck going into the game yesterday uh about yeah, 30 minutes stuff, i guess or something no know. it sounds like there was some buildup at one of the entrances uh just um, to let you know there are other entrances to the arena um <laughs> try lafayette street might help next time <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Lafayette Street's usually pretty empty. Yeah, so you should yeah, try that. exactly. So yeah. if I was waiting in line for 30 minutes, I probably would have made the decision to go to another line five minutes away. But, hey, um, <laughs> shout out to the Prudential staff. You do a great job every game day. Um, all right, with that, that is episode 17 in the books. Big week ahead. Uh, thank you, Alex, and thank you for listening. Let's go, Devils. Let's go, Devils.